0: Welcome to the What Are Your Options, a discussion of all things crypto derivatives. Thanks for joining the podcast. We are not financial advisors and this is not a recommendation. If you enjoy the show share with a friend and better yet, tell 10 friends. Thank you. Uh, Simon? Hey, Greg, how you going?
1: Good. Welcome to another episode of What Are Your Options, a podcast specializing in crypto optionality and all forms of derivatives particular to the digital industry. Simon, uh, a huge pleasure. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast today. Uh, a joy to have you on. When I start these podcasts, uh, I, I like to go big picture, small picture. So if it's okay, we'll talk a, a a few minutes about the global picture surrounding optionality and digital currency and then i'd like to uh, get into your neck of the woods the uh, the indexification of the the products if that's okay
0: that sounds great thank you
1: sam what did, so uh, there's been such a fast moving exponential style pace of institutions getting into the products. so much is really taking place really, uh, you know, say uh, pre-pandemic and in 2019 to now, here we are where institutions have flocked to the product, BTCs up 10x from 2020 lows, and there's just a widely dynamic product space, NFTs, DAOs, you name it, it it's a wide, wide world. What do you make of, of the, and you know, this is a, a big conversation, but To you, what do you make of the manifestations of change that have gone from retail to institutions in the last 18 months?
0: Well, I think it's been um, pretty astonishing, to be honest. And I think that it will... Continue. I do think, though, that as it matures, you're going to find uh, new, uh, maybe not so new, but maybe uh, products that have been used elsewhere coming into the market. In fact, I was asked a question just yesterday about um, the ability to hedge, and one of the one of the sort of um, comments I made about it was that it is true um, that you you really don't have a whole lot of good options um, when it comes to hedging. So people mostly buy and sell coins. I mean, this, well, I'm not talking about the sophisticated folks, but if you think about the broader community, uh, that's what's happening and there isn't a great deal that you can do it, uh, about it, about you know um, managing that risk. And so that I think will be a fairly explosive area for the market um, going forward, at least.
1: Now, when you speak to managing risk, People speak in near different epochs of product. And what I mean by that is is the top three or even two are liquid and there's a number of robust strategies for Bitcoin and Ether. But then when you move down the line, you know, Solana and some of the alternative coins and tinier things, do you see what I see that uh, uh, traditional finance SPX style or spider or you name it with different terms, different strikes, different pockets of listed becomes more pronounced the product space or it just becomes a wide, wide world of structured products. The people are selling uh, products, um, uh, sell put, uh, uh, sell spot, uh, overriding calls, uh, sh- short gamma strategies, some kind of, of structured product to uh, 20% put. On a altcoin, I mean, how do you how do you see the hedge evolving? Is it bespoke or is it listed?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. My um my initial gut feeling here is that it will be it'll be listed because most I mean the underlying if- trading that is happening is typically on exchange. Uh, most of those exchange don't op- offer options, as it happens though, which is a huge impediment to. Uh, people getting in I think because they can't really hedge themselves very well but um, certainly yeah I I, I think it will go a little bit more like a traditional um, traditional exchanges I I think ultimately that will will prevail because people are used to doing it that way and they like to see things that way and if you think about it now uh, there you may you may or may not know but we created a a, the first volatility index um, on Bitcoin and Ethereum and those are kind of new fan dangled things but frankly people need more access to options and on many exchanges you know you're de- dealing directly in the delta one coins as opposed to um more derivative type stuff so i think there is a a huge there will be a huge uh, growth um and interest in it uh, on the derivative side going forward from here
1: i would almost venture the comment that i find delta one to be overwhelmed at this point i believe the stat i think it's between 380 and 450 combined decentralized and centralized exchanges out there exist for, 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 just spot Delta one. And yeah. really optionality is okay. Uh, Deribit FTX and maybe throw in one other and you're done. Well, and, and, and CME to, to a CME future, but even yeah. the, the, the Deribit trade is, is limited for the American uh, clients.
0: Exactly. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. And that's kind of where um, I guess I was trying to go um, with respect to a lack of or a paucity of good tools for people. In, in fact, as I mentioned earlier, someone was asking me yesterday, well, um, what does that mean? And you know, the market has fallen a lot. How have people been able to hedge? And the answer is really, there's not a whole lot that you can do. <laughs> because as you say, the bulk of the options come from one exchange. And that's yeah. not really open to US clients anyway. So they're kind of stuck. Well,
1: so now let's move from this macro early chat and let's get into the minutia. And to me, no greater change has manifested in the last, let's call it 25 years. Let's call it the last generation than the introduction of volatility products to uh, traditional finance. I I mean, you can find anyone in any product uh, uh, across any asset, whether it's currencies, crude, fixed income, Whatever you name it in traditional finance, everyone is well aware of volmageddon and the incidences where indexification and optionality of the product has dwarfed the spot. So we see the manifestations that have happened in traditional finance in a massive way. Why don't you uh, start in talking about uh, the indexes that you have to uh, in ETH and, and kind of introduce your day-to-day firm and, and just uh, chat it up. We'd, we'd love to hear
0: Sure. Thank you. Um, And thank you for having me on the show, by the way. Um, Oh, uh,
1: a pleasure. Thanks for joining us.
0: No worries. Um, So, yeah, um, my remit is to kind of, um, as we just spoke about, to to, to deliver products to what I call the underserved. Because if you're a person who wants to get involved in crypto and you're excited about it, as we just discussed, there's really not a whole lot that you can do to protect your portfolio other than getting out of it and most likely at a loss. So I think it is imperative... Yeah, so I think it's imperative that the market matures at this point um, and so what we've tried to do is to kickstart that process because my background has been, I've been an options trader since 1995, it's the only thing that I've ever wanted to do and it's the only thing I will ever do until I stop doing stuff, so for me it's, it's a passion and I love it and um, it kind of, it annoys me that that some basic derivative tools aren't even available to the folks that want to trade coins. So what we've done is we created the first ever Bitcoin volatility index and ETH Vol uh, index. Now these are actually tradable. We are doing trades with pension funds uh, in Australia and the U S with these products on an OTC basis. Now clearly that's not going to cut it because if you're a retail investor, you don't have access to that. So these indices though, however, we are trying to, um, get these products on exchanges, because that would make a world of difference. And as you mentioned, you know, you've know you got all of these well um, understood and diverse uh, ways to hedge a portfolio of a Delta One product, but they're just, they're just not available here. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. So for example, we built those two indices and they're the first ever to come to market, but also tradable. But also we've got things like BitSku, for example. You know that, that you can see that that's taken from uh, the the legacy world on, on on the equity side. And you know why not? I mean pe- people have I think people should have the right to be able to better understand their market. and and by creating more of these tools, I think we we help that uh, to come to fruition.
1: Now, can you uh, uh, just get into the minutiae and and you know put your hands in the dirt for a second and just explain, you know, to the listeners and audience, what's the basic intrinsic or non intrinsic differences between a standardized traditional VIX volatility, which is S&P 30-day spot GAM um, in in a financial product to an index. How is this different or exactly similar to uh, uh, just a basic, are are there structural difference or, or are they apples to apples? Or how would you explain the product as it compares to other volatility indices
0: oh that's a, that's a really good question um i think that what's happened since the advent of these volatility indices and um, particularly i guess since the start of vix people have followed um a, a well-worn path so there are multiple different ways that you can do it but ultimately the one that is the most um efficient to hedge with is a variant swap now if you think about legacy um, such indices, they they use a different type of variance swap. We actually use something called a simple variance swap, which has an equal weight of all these options. Now, without getting into too much minutia, basically the idea here is that you can create a volatility derivative in whatever underlying, as long as you have enough of those underlying um, options to be able to create it. And in this case here, we created our BitVol, for example, in the same way that we created our spikes index. Spikes is a corollary to to VIX. Um, Essentially, you sum the options from the lowest to the highest. And in this case, you do a simple variance swap as opposed to a regular one. And that will give you uh, essentially a perfect hedge against a volatility uh, index. So that's how you can actually achieve it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of math that goes into it, but um, it's, it's, it's well understood. People are very happy to use it across asset classes. And so I think you know, it's, it's a no brainer that this should be being employed uh, in the crypto space.
1: Now, a traditional VIX uh, is quoted in a spot number that the financial media loves to say, oh, VIX is up this and VIX is going down. And uh, the laughter amongst the professional crowd is no one trades VIX spot. It's a fantasy number. Everyone mm-hmm. hedges to a VIX future or a VIX ETF. Yes. Will your products ultimately be a hint more linear? And so first off, uh, uh, almost a dumb question. Does the bit industry you have now have a spot quoted cash number that, that quotes all day, similar mm-hmm. to a, a VIX spot?
0: Yes, so we do have a VIX spot, and and um, I, I oh, definitely.
1: And, yeah. and when I say that, I meant a, a Bitcoin spot. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, now now you've just confused. <laughs> so, what was the? Yeah, question? yeah, I,
1: I I'm just I am asking about the the Bitcoin product if it has a spot quote all day. It's similar to a a, a VIX spot quote.
0: Right, right, right. So yes, yes, absolutely, it does. And unlike VIX, um, because it's in the crypto sp- space, it is it is around 24 um, yeah. seven. So yeah, it's that, that that's pretty cool in that sense. But you're right. Um, with these types of products, obviously, the index is untradeable. So you need to trade right, a right. based off of those. So when we've done trades with these customers, and again, there hasn't been only this been a handful of them, but still, it's encouraging to see it's the same thing so they can go out so some of them did a, what recently a, a vertical spread was done uh, you had people that go, prefer to go further out we've done a few trades like that so it, it's very similar in terms of its construct and how you would uh, approach it you know so if if you're a vix a dyed in the wall vix trader and you then come along to see what the bitvol contract has it's going to look and feel very similar to you other than the level of the vol itself, right? Instead of being 170, (laughs) you know, this is unusual in terms of the, the, the height of vol that can, can, um, can happen. So
1: what makes the the VIX product so successful is, is ultimately uh, that there's a linear aspect to trading the futures. You know, you can scalp your gamma, you can, you can lean long that the Delta one, area of the vix offers enough opportunity for people to hedge out um somewhat simplistically i wouldn't say completely easily uh some of the products aren't super liquid and has their own nuance but will your bit indexes be including uh an exchange-based future at some point for the for the linear hedge
0: Yes, absolutely. It will. That is one of the things that we are um, really strong on because, you know, we, without having that underlying, it's very difficult to do anything else, else.
1: I mean, you can do it. It just makes it a challenge for your uh, for your investors <laughs> just to, you know, do banal hedges.
0: Exactly. And that's frankly why we've done a lot of. Um, spread type trades because then, you know, we don't have to rely on it so much because you've got one against another. So yes, but your, your point is well taken and it is a, it is a critical issue that needs to be overcome to really um, encourage the growth of derivatives in this space.
1: Simon, one of the big things that blew up last year was the retail trader to the financial arena uh, games, game stonk and, uh, Renaissance technology and Reddit and Wall Street bets, et cetera, et cetera. The narrative uh, we're seeing out of institutional investor is they want to regulate this. This is on the front burner rather than the back burner, and this seems to be more of an issue of SEC U.S. based regulation. What is your opinion on uh, U.S. regulation to the crypto market for 2022? Are your futures and and everything that are lining up for the the indexing of the Bitcoin world in the cards, or do you think U.S. regulators are a little stuck at the moment for uh, the next fiscal year going out to, say, December?
0: Um, I think actually the latter. I think that you will see this growth because uh, I think a a seminal thing that has happened recently was the listing on CME of crypto futures. So that to me is a bit of a game changer because it's like, Oh, you've just knocked down the first brick of the Berlin wall kind of thing. So it it seems to me, I I think it will escalate. I don't think it will um, just percolate. I I really think that this is a, a, a very important moment and You know, you've got people like um, Ledger X, which was bought over by FTX not that long ago, you know, their intentions are to offer these things to regular folks, you you know, so not just offshore people. So it's coming, I think, for sure.
1: You know, when they create a commodity, one of the first things they bring up is the inherent need of of the hedger. Uh, And, and. In really the commodity of the world, they're referring to a farmer who's hedging out soybeans or corn or cattle, et cetera, et cetera. Here, there's a huge component of miners. And some of the litigation of China has really hampered some of the miners and their ability to even produce or even hedge. At what point do you think the miners, which we can almost call high net worth retail at this point, will be able to access uh, OTC Bitcoin index hedging uh, rather than massive institutions like uh, an Australian pension? When do you think this is available to more of the retail crowd?
0: Oh, yeah. So that's um, that's a bit more different. That, that's different. So if we, if we just follow on from the conversation we had just a moment ago about the FTX thing, I think mm-hmm. that... That and CME, so those two exchanges in my mind, at least at this point, because CME has the recognition value and the brand value that's just unsurmountable. If they're doing stuff, then I think that will be um, very beneficial. But someone like FTX, who's going to be, I think, far more dynamic, it's going to have a much bigger product set, it's going to be – I reckon it's going to be really interesting um, if it gets past the CFTC, and I'm assuming that they will. Um, There will be a plethora, an explosion of products that can happen once that is – Permitted. Like right now, obviously, there's lots of things that are, are, are not permitted, and that obviously stymies um, innovation and stymies uh, product growth. And I think that will change.
1: You know, after chatting with you and, and discussing a few of these questions, it almost feels that we're closer rather than further away. Do you think this miner will be able to access an index hedge, you, you know, a Bitcoin VIX by the end of the year? And, you know, he needs yield or he needs income and he, um, Wants to sell after money straddles and buy five uh, percent puts. Uh, he he needs wings and he wants to sell meat, for example. Do you think that happens this year?
0: But that that is a very bold one, but I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say okay. yes.
1: I like it. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I, I'm very I'm very bullish on it. I mean, like I, I don't come from a crypto background at all. I, I think uh, I'm not sure. And, that's,
1: and that's the thing. Effectively, no one really gum, you know, to our neck of the woods, which is, you know, options and derivatives. Everyone really in the crypto world is coming to uh, crypto-driven options from traditional finance and some adjunct. I I run into a lot of people that are uh, FX-related. It seems there's a corresponding ideology that it compares well to currencies, and and in some ways, it is that it's Mm. a. 4.7 Four seven currency, and, and you can put in that perspective that the FX people seem to be a better fit than, say, traditional equity people or other assets. Which uh, leads to my next question. When you're modeling or, or coming up with valuations or looking at the product, is something simplistic as an old-fashioned black shoals appropriate for even looking at this and, and creating values and an idea of how to price anything, or do you think there's so much jump in the product from weekends and the 24-7 that it needs all sorts of proprietary models. I guess what I'm saying is how much of a hitch has it been to model the product versus other traditional products you've modeled before?
0: You know, uh, you might you might think um, that my answer is sort of a, uh, an opposite of what you would expect, but we actually found it okay. So we, we pumped- okay. uh, yeah, so much to my surprise, frankly, and it was a kind of a relief to be to be honest. But um, we managed to get um, so we 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 accumulate data from multiple sources, obviously, because you need to. Because sometimes exchanges fall over or whatever it might be. So we've got a, 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 a very good breadth in terms of the data that we get, and when we put the index up and running, <clears throat> so we have it. Consisting, uh, sorry, uh, consistent rather with um, the way the market works. So it's open every single day uh, on the weekend. There is a small timeout where all the servers kind of get reset, but essentially it's, it's pumping all day, every day. And so we have not, thankfully touched wood. We haven't really had any issues with the index falling over. I think when we very first did it, there were a couple of periods where it fell over. and But since then, we've rectified those problems. And it's, you know, touch wood, it's been, it's been smooth sailing. So we've been able to adapt, I guess, to answer your question. We've been able to adapt to the changes in the parameters and the, you know, the way that people view these things uh, uh, to to um, allow for that by doing it
1: 24-7. Do you feel that some of the liquidity providers that have come to the field are, are able to model the product? And provide liquidity in, in a somewhat easier Black Shoals fashion, for example, the jumps and Cumberlands of the product space that are, that are making markets and facilitating capital. Do you think that, you know, market makers can get by on a Black Shoals or do you think that the product has become, I don't know, so unique that everyone needs bespoke uh, proprietary models uh, uh, just to even look at their own world?
0: Um, I think not, actually. Uh, my personal opinion is no, simply because an option is an option. And if I buy an option from Deribit or from FTX or from um, OTC, frankly, or CME, at the end of the day, an option is an option and the properties are the same. They don't really change. The underlying obviously changes. But here we're talking about a, an entire group of underlines being these coins. Um, so... I don't think that will hamper things, to be honest. In fact, I think if anything, because you, you mentioned just a moment ago about FX being the corollary of this. Or maybe yeah, yeah, way. yeah, sure. So in that case, I think it's the same for this because, yes, you have high concentration, which is very anathema to the rest of the world, but I think that over time that's going to have to change because, as you said, once um, once that we get a US-based version up where retail people can join it, then all of a sudden game game on for many exchanges. I think that will proliferate uh, from that point on. Uh,
1: Simon, um, how can people get a hold of you? Are, are you attending any of the crypto events that Miami seems to populate every other week? Uh, are you on Twitter? And uh, any other products you'd like to mention? I, I you know, here we're crypto drives. So I, I've been concentrating on that, but feel free to uh, uh, chat up everything.
0: Well, um, yeah, just, just broadly, uh, we're in the business of making new and exciting indices. So, you know, we created Spike, which is the, uh, a competitor to VIX, and essentially we don't charge any fees for um, clearing, and um, essentially it's 99.9% correlated. So that's one product. And the other one that's very interesting that some of your your listeners may be interested in is we're got, we're about to launch the first ever interest rate vol index and that's going to be coming out very shortly. So there are some pretty exciting things going on. I love the crypto space despite being a newbie. But like you said, pretty much everyone is a newbie and in diapers. But um, yeah, I, I wherever we can find an opportunity that would service the community better in crypto, we want to, we want to be involved in because, you know, we think we're pretty good at creating these kinds of indices. And so um, the more relevant they can be, I think the better it will be ultimately for the end users.
1: Simon, who's the audience that's coming after you for uh, crypto hedges? Is it more high net worth retail, family office, or is it what you would consider more traditional finance hedge fund slash pension?
0: I would say, well, no, I would say 100% of them has so far been pension type accounts. So, okay. uh, yeah, so it, they, 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 it, I, that took me a little bit by surprise, frankly. But, yeah, they seem pretty keen to at least um, dip their toe into the water.
1: Uh, why do you make that? Or do you find that to be... Uh particular to Australia? Do you think this is a global event that pensions all across the planet are crypto-based, or is that idiosyncratic to one country? I mean, how do you feel institutionally? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, do you think it's going across the planet in the same way? or, Because or, I hear a lot of more family office than high net worth at this moment.
0: Yes, yes. So I would agree. Um, um... Those folks and institutions. So we've done more trades with US based customers than we have uh, in the OTC space than we have um, in Australia. So Australia is just a, a, a peculiar. Oh, okay. Outcome, say.
1: oh um, pardon. Okay. So the, the the pensions are global rather than uh, right. uh, Australia only. Okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, but you know that they're obviously interested. Um, they obviously they don't do big trades at this point, but the fact that they are dipping their toe in this, I think, is really exciting for the crypto community. Frankly, because if you've got folks like that who are typically seen as a bit stodgy, you know, and second movers, not first, uh, and not as dynamic, uh, the irony is that most of the people that we've dealt with, um, you know, are of that mould. <laughs> pension fan, pension funds.
1: And Simon, where's the liquidity coming for your uh, volatility Bitcoin? Is it more proprietary market maker or are you finding actual liquidity coming out of the banks?
0: no it's a market making firm so for example ledger prime is a very a very good partner of ours and and they they will make markets for us on pretty much whatever it is we request of them uh, or rather our clients request of them so so that's that's one way obviously we need more of them though because there needs to be heightened competition and i'm hoping that the the legacy market makers of the world can can join in too um, at some point so in fact that that is starting to happen but at a probably a glacial pace i think it should happen faster but
1: yeah I find your keyword glacial every time this subject comes up a number of proponents point to the Goldman Sachs uh, digital desk leading the charge for providing global clients or global high, high asset, high net worth clients with uh, uh, digital liquidity. Yet I, I, I'm just not hearing cartwheels out of the rest of the banks. Do you <laughs> think in the same way that, everyone can get uh, almost a near silly amount of notional done in traditional finance, equity indices, VIX, uh, FI, whatever, that the banking desks within the next two years might rival the proprietary desks? Or do you think it's a more long winding road for the banks to become part of the liquidity community?
0: Uh, The second, the latter. So I I think that, you know, um, I just don't see Goldman, Goldman's of the world. I mean, I used to work at Goldman. You know, I I have a lot of respect for them. Um, And just in general banks, though, I I just don't think that they're going to be able to provide as as they can't. They're not as dynamic, you know, and so I think that that's going to be a bit of a hindrance for them. Obviously they're pretty committed, at least at Goldman, you know, I read a lot about the fact that they're interested in it and, you know, they're trying to expand and so on. So good on them for that. I just don't know whether, um, especially with crypto native folks, you know, they're, they're, they're not really, uh, their number one go, their go-to number one thing is not to go to a bank for this kind of stuff, you know, and I feel like that they would eschew that for something else in, in place of that or in lieu of it. So, um, yeah, I, I I question how much um, because you know, let's let's face it, Goldman got in and then they got they took themselves back out and then now they're back in yeah. so there's a bit of that going on.
1: So, yeah. well, let's just examine and just use Goldman or any bank as a proxy. How much do you think of the reluctance to blow out the, the desk is based on uh, uh, the lack of regulation clarity to the US and how much is just to the fact that Banks don't commit capital and, and liquidity and, and trades like they did, you know, 10, 20 years ago. I mean, how much of, of this is, is regulation and how much it, is banking's just different now?
0: Uh, I would say that banking is different now. I, yeah. I definitely okay. think because your, your point there is, was perfectly made. I mean, you know, the, the most of the banks were very active in VIX when it first, you know, first came out. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, it's- yeah. You, you call up Merrill and this and. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the notional and the vega to the trade was was crazy.
0: Yes, exactly. And we're not seeing that here in the crypto. Now, you might say, well, you know, it's new and, and, and it's going to take time. Uh, it's been around for a while, you know, and, and many <laughs> of the boys, uh, they trade a lot. So, yeah,
1: not a, bit yeah, a it right. uh, Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, digress into the, uh, the indexes. Um, uh, would you like to add anything more about any, any upcoming events or, or how people can get in touch with you on Twitter or email or anything like that?
0: Oh, yeah. So um, so the company is called T3 Index. So T3 Index. T3. Are, yeah. So that that's um, I, I have a Twitter name with that. Um, I um, My email is. Um, oh, actually, you can go to. No. Yeah. Email is probably better. So it's SHO at triple. 3p.com. It's the number three. So basically, yeah, um, I'm, I'm keen to talk to people who are like-minded. I'm really interested in this stuff. If people have any ideas, feel free to to hit me up. i happy to have discussions with people about how we can improve the ecosystem.
1: Simon, a joy to chat uh, crypto derivatives, indexing, and, and uh, the latest and greatest. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on What Are Your Options? And we look forward to staying in touch with you.
0: Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Take care, Simon. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. Our email is wateryouroptions@hotmail.com. at Yes, Hotmail. Don't be jealous. We are also on Twitter. Please stay in touch. Good day.